Hello, dear people. 2,000 years ago, give or take a few years, on this very day was the greatest act of political theater. Nothing has ever risen to the brilliance of Jesus choosing to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. Now, I know a lot of you were raised in religious traditions that celebrated Palm Sunday. I was, those little palm fronds that were put into crosses and children got to color palm fronds. And I was always taught that this was a a triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Well, that was accurate and not, as often stories that get told to you are. Instead, it was actually a brilliant act of collaborative leadership, co-opting of a story, and flipping the world on its head. And to get to that, we need to know a few things that most of you likely already know. I apologize for repeating your understanding that Palm Sunday and the week leading up to Jesus' crucifixion and Passover always intersect in some way. And Passover is, um, begins this Friday night, the first Seder night. And the reason you need to know about Passover is it forms the foundation of what was going on in Jerusalem and why Jesus riding on a donkey meant something other than what we imagine. So Passover, again, another brilliant leader, Moses, taking his tribe, Israelites, who are enslaved by the Egyptians. And the way it gets told in the Bible, I'll translate for us in a different way. The implication is that Moses is collaborating with God and that God is sending plagues and um, trouble to the Egyptians and that that is what allows them to flee from Egypt. Let's let's not make it about a divine intervention of plagues of of frogs and starvation and uh, rivers turning to blood and whatever. Let's instead imagine that it's a wise person who's simply paying attention to the circumstances of the moment and making use of it. So whatever is going on in Egypt, It is not going well for the empire there at all. And supposedly, all of the firstborn male babies are about to be slaughtered. And Moses asks his people to put a mark, to make a sacrifice, and put a mark on their door gate so that they will be passed over. Again, making use of circumstances. Here's what we're, Okay, people, here's what we're going to do differently than everyone else. 
And that's indeed what happens. And they flee in the middle of the night. The story goes, flee so quickly um, that they don't have time for their bread to even rise. So the Israelite, now the Jewish people, now the Jewish traditions around the world have been celebrating Passover and honoring it and retelling the story for thousands of years. If you've ever been to a Seder, if there's any way that you could get yourself invited to a Seder, I encourage you to because it's a retelling of the story with every single sense of your body. There's, there's uh, flat bread, matzah. The whole point of matzah is it's not risen bread. Uh, bitter herbs to explain what it means to be enslaved, that it is the bitterest, bitterest of lives, of lives. And then they uh, drink at least four glasses of wine to honor the freedom, the joy of not being enslaved. And there's a ritual singing and retelling of all this story that includes specific questions and children are involved. It's, it's a wild, wonderful time that helps them never forget the leadership of Moses, for the Jewish people, the leadership of God, and what it means to be free. So what's going on in Jerusalem when Jesus is coming in is the exact same thing. It is Passover in Jerusalem, remember? Jerusalem is primarily a Jewish, uh, Jewish community, Jewish city. Even though it's under the control of the Romans. And the Romans, like many powerful people, and it happened to Christianity in our tradition, take over the religious stories and make it their own. So who is triumphantly coming into Jerusalem to observe Passover, that particular Passover day, and is planning to attend a Seder and making it known how important he is, is not Jesus, but Pontius Pilate. He's the Roman, he's the Roman, not emperor, he's the Roman uh, representative of the Roman Empire in the, in the, I'll say, district. And what, what he does is takes the Passover and makes it his own opportunity to have a fabulous military parade marching into Jerusalem. So it's very clear to everyone, okay, we know who's in charge. We know what parade is about to happen. What Jesus does is he doesn't, he's not operating on his own. He has disciples and followers, and as the story goes, it's not divine intervention but he is asking someone, would you go and get that donkey for me? So he's prearranging what he's planning to do. He's thinking ahead, making use of circumstances, making use of what's at hand, and actually offers a counter parade. So Pontius Pilate is on one side of the city, marching in, triumphal, and Jesus is mocking it. 
and riding in on a donkey. And people are responding. They recognize immediately what he's doing, that this is about putting down the corruption, putting down the treatment, the virtual enslavement of those under the Roman Empire. So he's making a very clear point. And he's offering a different kind of leadership. We're not a church that studies the life of Jesus on a regular basis. So it makes the strength of this telling maybe not as strong as it needs to be. But up to this point, so Jesus knows he's going into Jerusalem for a kangaroo trial with Pontius Pilate. And that he inevitably will be found guilty and inevitably will be killed. So he knows what he's going in for. And because we haven't immersed ourselves in the life of Jesus, we forget that what he's bringing into Jerusalem, that riding that donkey, is the antithesis of the Roman Empire. It's, it's a, a teaching of forgiveness. Uh, he's been teaching to pay attention to those who are needy. We hear about the 12 disciples, but I'm convinced by all the mention of women in his ministry that there were women leaders as well. But history gets told, sorry, by the men, at this point at least. We do know he's talking and helping prostitutes. He's, um, he's working with the untouchable which is, again, the antithesis of what the Roman Empire is doing. So today, Palm Sunday, is really an acknowledgement of what a group of people working together can do, of the possibilities of making change by subverting the symbols of power in the community and culture. So I have that on my mind because I keep thinking about what we call leadership in this country and what, what kind of leaders we have and what kind of examples they're setting and how can we as Hope Unitarian Church better push against all the parts of leadership that are more like the Roman Empire in that it supports um, a, a wide gap of economic, social inequities, food, access to health care, education. How can we be better leaders I think people here are reluctant to see themselves as leaders. And this church is at a very exciting moment in its history as you begin the process of finding new leaders. So I want you to be thinking about what kind of leader do you want? 
And I'd like you to think about it as someone with whom you'll collaborate, not someone that you'll hand everything over to and go, whew, thank goodness. Because I think this church has a history of doing that, of looking for someone to run things, when really you all have so many gifts, so much brilliance, so much to give. And you don't see yourselves as leaders. And these stories about Jesus and Moses and Pontius Pilate get told as if that's the pivotal person. And I don't buy it. I think it's about all the, possi- all the people who were lined on the streets with fronds who understood that change needed to come. And all the disciples, and it wasn't just 12 men, but a whole slew of people who were following Jesus and said, yeah, you want a donkey? I don't get it, but I'll fetch one for you. And we have work to talk about. So what are the things that really need to be subverted that we can do with care and thoughtfulness? I'd put it this way. Um, We have a choice. Like, which parade do you want to be in? Do you want to be in the parade with Pontius Pilate? Or do you want to be on the parade with the donkey? And I think those are the choices that this church are going to be making over the next two or three years. And yourself. What kind of leader do you want to be? What peace can you do? Can you be the one that fetches the donkey? I know a few of you live out in the country. So I'm hoping that you'll bear in mind that what you're doing here is more like Jesus. That you're seeking a community that does forgiveness. That does work for equality. That names things when they are wrong and unjust that this church will choose in its next couple of years to be in the parade with the palm fronds. That's what I wish for us. May it be so.